Hi, welcome to this subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. The ball, sucker? This is Movie Fighters. Or Droovy Fighters? This is the show where I'm Matt Wilson and Chris Sims. We watch movies and we beat them up. Except this month, we don't want to beat anything up. We want to express love, care, and devotion <laughs> to the greatest film of our lifetimes. Uncle Drew. I'm so excited right now. Could you be more excited? Now, something we need to say here right up front. We had every intention of making this one of the rare films we go to a movie theater and watch. When we attended the Wizard World convention in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And we certainly could have since we weren't selling any comics. That weekend. But to our great disappointment, it was not playing in any movie theaters in the area. I think it had been in theaters maybe too long by that point or something. Whatever the it, case, we weren't able to do it. It had reached the end of its theatrical run very quickly, which I feel like I feel like Uncle Drew is the sort of thing that is you can only if if you blink it's gone it's like it's like catching sight of a deer in the forest chris it seems to me that it had its theatrical run like a candle in the wind indeed indeed matt so we had to wait an agonizingly long time for the movie to pop up on the home box office hbo so we could finally sit down together as Brothers in Druness. Drunity. Watch in <laughs> Drunified together. We finally were Drunified. And we're going to watch Uncle Drew. And Chris, can I just read to you members of this wonderful cast? I wish you would, Matt. Now I don't know that this is a distinction that needs to be made, but the Professional basketball players that are in the cast mm -hmm. include titular star Kyrie Irving as Uncle Drew. As Uncle Drew. Shaquille O'Neal, Chris Weber, Reggie Miller, Nate Robinson, Lisa Leslie up in here, Aaron Gordon and Wesley Witherspoon. And then in cameo appearances, we've got Chris Mullen, Bill Walton, 
George Gervin, Steve Nash, David Robinson, Jerry West. Yes, the guy from the NBA logo. Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, that's Jerry West. Wow. Uh, And Dikembe Mutombo. Among the actors that are in the movie are Lil Rel Howery, who you may remember from Get Out. There's also Erica Ash, J.B. Smoove, one of my all-time favorites. Mike Epps, Tiffany Haddish is in this. Uh, Nick Kroll is in this movie. Uh, And also there is a cameo appearance by an ESPN reporter named Scoop Jackson. How could this movie be bad, Chris? I'm excited. There's no way. There's no chance. This movie was directed by uh, Charles Stone III, the director of Drumline. People are going to hear this and think we're being ironic. We're not. There is no irony. We are not. Yeah. I also love Drumline. Like, I'm looking at the critical response section of Wikipedia right now. And finding that this movie has an approval rating of 62% on Rotten Tomatoes and an average rating of 5.9 out of 10 with a critical consensus of a comedy that's amiable enough to score with basketball fans but held back by formulaic direction and too much product placement. Here's the thing about that, though, Chris. A formula is simply a proven way to tell a story, right? Yes. Would you complain about eating a delicious chocolate cake because somebody used a recipe? Uh, no, not if at they, all. If they used the greatest ingredients in the world. Ingredients like the ingredient equivalent of Shaquille O'Neal. Exactly. Rest my case. Yeah. I do not know anything about this movie other than what is in the trailer that we saw – Six months ago? <laughs> yeah. It's it's a little longer than we want a movie to be. But this is one of the few times I feel very sure that I will allow it. I I now, feel like – I feel good about it. The movies we look forward to are the ones that break our hearts the most. We know that. I, I mean, you're right. <laughs> but I, I was – When I first heard about Uncle Drew, I was like, yes, this is going to be amazing. Then, after after it was a while, and my Drew fever had calmed down a little bit, I was like, I don't know, Uncle Drew might not be that good. I might have just gotten a little too too up in my irony for that one. You broke your Indruenza? I did. I did. Then, our buddy, Trace Dean... Author of the upcoming book, For Your Consideration, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Correct. A book about The Rock, available for pre-order now. Trace is a good guy. That book comes out. That book comes out in like November. It's available for pre-order now. That's that is a long period of pre-order for a book. It's a it's a long lead up. And I give Trez all the credit for that. Yeah. And here's the thing. If don't Say, oh, I should get that when it comes out. Order it now if you want it. Like, don't wait because you'll forget and then you won't do it and then you'll be denied a thing that you're interested in. Anyway, Trace loves this movie. Genuinely. I believe he might have said 
it was one of his favorite movies of 2018. And one of my favorites sounds like Damning with Faint Praise, but let's remember Into the Spider-Verse came out in 2018. Yeah, it was a good year for movies. It was a great year for movies. And I expect this to be right up there with my top movies of 2018 as well. So here's the one big question for me, Chris. The only question, really. When we get back from watching this movie, will we have anything to say? I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Just effusive praise? Is that all we will have? One never knows, Matt. I mean, look, what did we have to say when we did Street Fighter, the movie, which we also unironically slash ironically enjoy? No, that movie we ironically enjoy. This movie, I... I imagine I imagine by the end of this we'll be talking about the tattoos that we can get. Now, Matt, are you going to get a tattoo this year? No. Why not? Because there's nothing I love enough. Matt, here's the thing. Marlene's got a tattoo. She does. Aiden got a tattoo. Uh-huh. Chad got a tattoo. Okay. I'm getting a tattoo this year. Okay, so you're saying peer pressure? You're just talking. I'm saying everybody in my life is getting inked, and I want you to to be a part of that. I feel like your Uncle Drew tattoo, your tattoo, my tattoo. Okay, if well, we'll watch Uncle Drew and we'll see where it goes. How about that? Okay. All right, everybody, we are going to stop the recording and watch Uncle Drew. You can do that too if you have. HBO Now or HBO Go or some kind of HBO application that you can watch this on, or you could rent it at the Redbox or whatever you want to do. I'm sure it's available for rent on Amazon. However, you may watch Uncle Drew along with us. You can do that. Whatever the case, you are going to hear a quick pause, an ad, and a musical interlude. Hey, Matt. Mm Mm-hmm. You're so excited about Uncle Drew, you've forgotten about the hottest segment in podcasting. I have. That's how quickly I want to get to Uncle Drew. All right, that's true. Before we do it, we got to do Snack Situation. Chris, what are you snacking on? Well, I just had dinner. We're actually watching this at uh, in the evening. Uh, we don't usually do Movie Fighters late, but, it, but night has fallen. Movie Fighters After Dark, which sounds like we should be doing something sexy, but instead we're watching Uncle Drew. Or are we? In order to keep my spirits up, I am drinking a uh, an ice cold Mexican Coca Cola. Oh, nice! I like that glass bottle. I'm keeping up the trend that we started with the snack situation special from this month. Are you having a hot drink? I'm not having a hot drink. I'm having a drink from McDonald's. Oh, what are you having? A sweet tea from McDonald's. That $1 sweet tea? That's $1 sweet tea. Shockingly, McDonald's sweet tea, not bad. It is too sweet. I always have to cut it with a little bit of unsweet. Too sweet. I'm putting up the sign right now. I I did it. I just wolf kissed my microphone for you, Matt. That said, I enjoy McDonald's sweet tea. Far and away, the best fast food burger joint sweet tea. Yeah, for for sure. I have heard that. I'm not a sweet tea guy myself, but I've heard that. Now, I also have a, a an, an edible to go along with my beverage. 
I guess okay, that I, makes it sound like something else. I, it makes it sound like you're, it's weed. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I've got something to eat as well. Uh, okay. I have some ice cream, some Ben & Jerry's Brewed to Matter, which is uh, coffee ice cream with a uh, with a swirl of fudge. All right, coffee, ice cream, and a Mexican Coca-Cola. Yeah. How do those Keep pair? It. Well, I'm going to drink the Mexican Coke now. Okay. I'm starting off the movie with the, the Coke. And here's what I like to do. Uh, I like to pour it into a mason jar and just sip it out of that. If you leave it in the bottle, there's something about leaving a soda in a bottle that maybe it's got like a little too much carbonation. Like I like it to have – I like the aeration that comes with pouring a, a, a bottle of soda out. So I drink it from a mason jar. Okay. Now, you you. once Drew, Uncle Drew gets rolling – if we can find a, a place in Uncle Drew where we want to stop for a second, I'm going to go get that ice cream. If we can find a place. I mean, I can't imagine there being one. But, you know, after you do some Coke, it's always good to follow that up with an edible. <laughs> You've got to cut it a little bit. How dare you, Matt? All right. I did my whole spiel about watching along with us, so yeah, that's go, done. Pause, pause the recording. Go watch Uncle Drew. Because I bet... That we're all going to have a good time. I'm hoping. If Uncle Drew lets us down, I don't know what I'm going to do. As I said before, you're going to hear an ad, a quick ad, and a musical interlude. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the film Uncle Drew. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. We're back from watching Uncle Drew. And Chris, now I've got a question for you. Hit me with that question. Why is Nick Kroll crying? Why is Nick Kroll crying? Because he just got dunked on. Oh boy, Chris! I got to tell you, this movie surprised me. It was very surprising. Two because two very surprising elements. Did I expect this movie to have laughs? You know, I did. Did I expect this movie? To have gripping, intense basketball action? Of course. Did I expect this movie to have a story of redemption? In the sports film mold? Of course. Did I expect it to have old man makeup? Absolutely. Did I expect it to have Pepsi products? Yes, I did. It was produced by Pepsi Productions. But what I did not expect was for this movie to have heart to spare. Yeah, it has a lot of heart, like a lot of sincerity in it. Uncle Drew is dropping wisdom throughout this movie. Yeah, did you expect this movie to be a story of a man finding his family that he never had through the medium of basketball? Because that's that's what, what happens. That's what happens. It is a found family basketball sports drama. 
dramedy. Dramedy, yeah. I mean, it's a comedy. It's a full-on comedy. <laughs> but, but there is, a, there is like, a real sincere uh, element of being alone in the world and, and looking for a family that I think took us both by surprise. Yeah, and also just, like, I, I guess I just expected it to be a sillier comedy than it was. Yeah, I, I think we were kind of expecting... Like a Zucker Brothers style. Yeah. Like slapstick farce. Which, there's, I mean, there's certainly a lot of slapstick comedy in it. But also, it is not that in a lot of ways. Like, it's very much a a more traditional comedy, but with some heart to it that is very surprising. Yeah. An astonishing amount of heart. Do you know the other thing that surprised me? Well, I, there's one inclusion in the movie that surprised me a lot. What's that? That is the inclusion of a dance-off sequence. <laughs> yeah, there is a there is a dance-off sequence that and is surprisingly good. <laughs> I gotta say, Kyrie Irving, Shaquille O'Neal, Chris Webber, Reggie Miller, and Nate Robinson acquit themselves quite well as dancers. Yeah. They really do. They're surprisingly good at the choreography that they are given. And look, I know they're professional athletes. Most of them are retired professional athletes. I believe the only one who's still active is Kyrie Irving. But they're pretty good. Oh, wait. uh, Nate Robinson's still playing. Okay. Okay. Would you like to know what surprised me most of all? Please let me know. Well, I actually had a guest watching this with me. I, I didn't watch it alone. Uh, I was here with George Lucas, and he's like, hey, this is kind of adhering to the hero's journey a little too hard. It does strictly adhere to the hero's journey. As we were watching the movie, you were reading off each stage of the hero's journey yeah. <laughs> that uh, the movie progressed through. It one million percent matches up. Like, there, there is – here's where I noticed it. Uh, the movie opens with our hero, Dax, our protagonist, Dax, uh, losing his team that he's going to take into this basketball competition. And then uh, a, a barber, played by J.B. Smoove in old man makeup, tells right. him, you should go see Uncle Drew. And he goes, I am going to refuse that call. But I will go watch a basketball game where I will receive supernatural aid. <laughs> It is step by step Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. It's bananas. It's wild. Like every time you mentioned another step in the hero's journey, that was what had just happened. Yeah, like because we would be watching it, and I would be like, "Oh, there's the, there's the meeting with the goddess. There's the refusal of the return." And every time I said it, it was like you had forgotten because it's the <laughs> hardest I've heard you laugh while we've watched a movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really something. Like, I guess the reviewers who said this movie was formulaic weren't wrong? No, they were not wrong. But, I mean, on the one hand, yes, it's very formulaic. On the other hand, I think this qualifies Uncle Drew as the Ur-text. Yeah, it is the most classic formula in the history of storytelling. Yeah. we. Like, I mean, we called the ending pretty early on. Sure. But, like... 
it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. That's something that Uncle Drew would say. Yeah. But, like, in in terms of storytelling, right, you've got, like, the Epic of Gilgamesh uh-huh. and then Uncle Drew. And then, and then it is a direct line to Uncle Drew. Yeah. The, the story, y- y- yes, you can set out the beats pretty easily, right? Mm-hmm. You talked about Dax loses his team. He also loses his girlfriend, both to the villain of the film, Nick Kroll, mm-hmm. who plays Mookie, who's the villain of the movie. His girlfriend is played by uh, Tiffany Haddish. Her name is Jess. There's a part where Dax goes back to visit Jess to get his jerseys back because he's going to put together a new team. Mm-hmm. And he finds Mookie there. Also, uh, Nick Kroll is very funny in this movie. Nick Kroll is very funny in this movie. And hey, um, before we go any further, I just want to throw this out there. When I say this follows the, the hero's journey step by step, this isn't a bit like the very funny uh, Brian David Gilbert video about Kingdom Hearts. It is straight off the 17 steps. Yeah, it's it's exactly it. Like, yeah, yeah so- I mean... The, the the video about Kingdom Hearts is about how Kingdom Hearts is a wild mess of a train wreck of a story, right? Yes. Uncle Drew is is the story. Yeah. It is it. Do you, do you want to go through it? Yeah, let's go through it. Let's go through okay. it. Step one, the call to adventure. The call to adventure in this case is uh, a basketball tournament that we find out about through uh, – what is presented to us as a 30 for 30 about Uncle Drew. So already we're in. It's a basketball tournament that happens annually. It's called the Rucker Classic. It is a real tournament. Is it really? It's it's called the Entertainer's Basketball Classic. But there is actually a basketball tournament in Rucker Park in New York City every year. Cool. Yeah. So back in the 60s and 70s, Uncle Drew which is the only name he has ever given was uh, a superstar in the world of street ball. And I do not know the difference between street ball and regular ball. It, so. is, it is simply the venue where it is played. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uncle drew was so good that he once won a game using only his left hand while eating a ham sandwich with his right hand, which is the first of a lot of really solid gags. Yes. Very, uh, very good. So, Entering this tournament is Dax, who is attempting to uh, gain his his pride back and acquire a lot of money that will allow him to leave his uh, his mundane job working at Foot Locker. Yes, he works at Foot Locker. We learn a lot about Dax very quickly, front loaded, very quickly. He works at Foot Locker. He coaches basketball, but he does not play. He had a shot blocked at a game, which I don't believe was part of the Rucker Classic. No, because he was a kid. He was a kid. I believe it's like a, like a school basketball game. Yeah. His shot is blocked by Mookie in that game, and by virtue of that embarrassing moment where everybody in the, in the basketball arena boos him and leaves after a he child. misses. A child. They uh, boo he, a child. He decided to never play basketball again. Yeah, and this is – that, I think, weirdly enough, 
that's the weirdest part of the movie. Because he misses literally one shot. An entire gymnasium full of people boos this child. And then he is like, I will never play basketball again. We also find out that his family was lost or died. He is an orphan. I I think you heard what the orphanage lady said as, we'll find your family. What she said was, we will find you a family. We'll find you a family. Yeah, okay. we'll find you a family. So he he was an orphan. So there's a lot about Dax. And Dax, Dax is the classic loner hero who is presented with this call to action. And yes. by, virtue, uh, by virtue of losing his team, he must assemble a new team. Right, because he has this guy, uh, Casper, who you said is also in the NBA. Yes, uh, Casper is played by Aaron Gordon. And Matt said his name was Aaron Gordon, but I was also watching the movie, so I thought Matt said his name was Aragorn, and I almost lost my mind. <laughs> uh, Aaron Gordon is uh, a currently active NBA player for the Orlando Magic. He is lured away by Nick Kroll's character, Mookie, after, uh, after Dax drops $833 on Jordans for their whole team. Right. Yeah, because... Casper talks him into buying him these Jordans. Yeah, because Casper is in demand. He's quite good at basketball. But then he just turns his back on him anyway. Right. So uh, he goes to the barbershop. They tell him about Uncle Drew. He's like, I'm not going to go find Uncle Drew. Boom. Number two, refusal of the call. Number three, uh, he goes to the uh, another street ballpark because he's going around trying to get other people to join his team. Nobody's joining. Nobody's he can't joining. Get, he can't get anybody to sign on. So he sits down and he's watching this guy who's like really good at, uh, at all the showy stuff, but he can't quite seal the deal. And there's an old man sitting on the bleachers uh, criticizing this guy. And that old man is Uncle Drew, who gets up and, and just kind of, kind of rope-a-dopes him a little bit. He pretends to be an old man. Well, this guy uh, scores twice in their uh, first three game, uh-huh. and, th- and then Uncle Drew just demolishes him. Number three, supernatural aid. Then we see Dax asking Uncle Drew, hey, help me put a team together. Help me win the Rucker Classic, because you're a legend, and you, I, what you did out there was amazing. And Uncle Drew is like, all right, but it's my team, my roster. Mm-hmm. And that begins a cross-country journey. Yeah, here's what happens. Uncle Drew literally opens the door of his van, and we get number four crossing the threshold. Then we get Uncle Drew sort of introducing Dax to his world. That's number five, Belly of the Whale. Number six? Do you know what number six is called in The Hero's Journey? This is part two. Uh, this is uh, the first part of the second phase of the journey. This is act two. Hit me with number six on the journey. It's called The Road of Trials. On The Road of Trials. They literally go on a road trip. Uncle Drew and Dax go and assemble the rest of the team. First they go find Preacher. That's Chris Webber. Uh, who is doing some hilarious object work with a baby who he's about to baptize. I laughed really hard at several points in this movie, 
one of the hardest times I laughed was when uh, Dax just stood up and said, he's going to dunk a baby. Because of, that sounds like some shit we would say. It is. Because of Dax's objection to the dunking of the baby, he ends up getting baptized instead. And he yeah. is dunked into the water repeatedly. Which is a little premature for the rebirth section of, <laughs> of the hero's journey, but don't worry. It's going to come back. So not only is Preacher there, who is Chris Webber, there's mm-hmm. also Betty Lou, the Preacher's wife, who's there played by Lisa Leslie. And there's a humorous escape sequence where uh, the crew, as assembled so far, has to es- escape from Betty Lou. Who does not want Preacher to leave. Yeah, uh, Lisa Leslie is so good in this movie that I didn't realize she was a basketball player and not like a professional actress. Lisa Leslie? She's been in a bunch of stuff. Very good. Very good. Uh, Yeah. They, again, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, she's Preacher's wife and they get in an argument and the argument... It's 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 not like a lengthy scene. It's like two or three lines, but the argument is them yelling Bible verses at each other, but only yelling the book, chapter, and verse. So at one point, preacher gets mad and he just yells Ephesians five twenty two, which is uh, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. <laughs> like that's a really good bit. I have wanted to do that like in a comic, but with supervillains. Like a supervillain who only speaks in in Bible verses. I th- I thought that was a really cool idea. I did not know Uncle Drew got there first. Also, Betty Lou wins the argument by quoting the book of Betty Lou. Yes. Betty Lou's great. Betty Lou's amazing. Uh, so that happens in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. After that, they go to – I don't remember what the city they went to after that was. <laughs> Uh, they, well, they end up in Alabama, but that's they the end last up in thing. Alabama eventually. Um, the last city they go to, though, is Atlanta because right. that's where uh, that's where Big Fella is. Right. So second is, is second it lights is lights. It's actually lights and boots together because they're both in the same retirement home. Okay. So lights is illegally blind. Guy, played by Reggie Miller, who was in a retirement home, but he goes to the Dave and Buster's across the street to uh, do the the arcade sh- basketball shooting game. And he misses like crazy because he can't see, but the people tell him that he's doing great. Yeah. That's, that's uh, the well, gag about that. Specifically, there's one woman who is a family friend. Uh, she is the granddaughter of Boots, who is Boots. also in the same retirement home. Boots is Nate Robinson. He is a in a confined to a wheelchair, and as far as we can tell, mute. Yeah, he doesn't speak, and he appears to be quite unresponsive until Uncle Drew throws a basketball to him. He catches the basketball immediately when he gets that thrown to him. His granddaughter, by the way, is named Maya, and she's played by Erica Ash. Yeah, uh, this would be uh, step seven, the meeting with the goddess. Lights can leave the retirement home at any time. But Boots is confined to the retirement home. So Dax and the team come up with an elaborate plan to break Boots out of the retirement home. As they're about to go out and do this breakout, 
Boots shows up at the van and is ready to go. Yeah, good good gag. Good gag. Then they all drive to Atlanta and they find Big Fella, played by Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, and this is uh, this is something that we hadn't mentioned before. Uh, the team, the Uncle Drew, vanished. Uncle Drew vanished, except everybody know, like calls him Uncle Drew when he's hanging out at the basketball court at the beginning of the movie, so people seem to know where he is. But uh, his team never showed up to the finals of the first Rucker Classic because uh, Uncle Drew uh, slept with Big Fella's girlfriend. Correct. Who we later find out became Big Fella's wife. Yeah, in a very... It's a very unexpectedly constructed scene. I guess we'll get to that when we get to it. Yeah. So they go find Big Fella. Big Fella is teaching martial arts at a dojo. And also has... Uh, Big Fella Shaquille O'Neal, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned it. He also has a very bad wig. <laughs> the wig is bad. The, the, uh, this is what I said to Matt when we were watching it. The wig is bad, but you can't really count that as a low point. Because that's like watching pro wrestling and saying, oh, he's not really hurting that guy. Yeah, we know it's Shaq. Like, no one watching this is like, who who is that under that special effects makeup? What I think is especially funny is that when we see photos of uh, Uncle Drew's team, you know, 30 years ago or whatever, Uh Shaq is bald. Yes. But now that he's big fella and he's you know, 70 years old, he's got this bad wig. So he is teaching his martial arts class and somehow or another, he decides to come along with the team, partially because I think he has no ill will toward lights or boots, but he will not speak to uncle drew. Yeah. He clearly holds a major grudge against uncle drew. Now, step eight, woman as temptress, is a little nebulous, but I'm going to count this. Uh, They stop for gas somewhere in Alabama, right? It's in the south. They're they're in Alabama, yeah. Uh, And there is a girls' basketball team that their bus has stopped there to also get gas. Dax is out of money. His credit card has declined at the pump. So he bets the uh, girls' basketball coach that his guys can beat the girls' basketball team, uh, he bets him $100. And we have already seen that Uncle Drew is supernaturally good at basketball. But in a thing that I really appreciated, the uh, two-time state champion high school girls' basketball team crushes them. Yeah. (laughs) Relentlessly. They they smoke them. Yeah. Like, the Uncle Drew's team doesn't make a bucket. Yeah. They're destroyed. And uh, then, but, but it's partially because we find out that Drew wasn't taking the game seriously, right? He says it was—it's just a scrimmage, young blood. And that's when Dax reveals that he put money down on the game. Yes. So then, Uncle Drew and the rest of the team put some money together to pay off the bet and pay for the gas. And Uncle Drew's just like, "You should have just told us." Get rid yep. of your stupid pride. Stop worrying so much about money, Dax. And rely on us, your family. Yeah, and that is 
uh, step nine, atonement with the father. Boy, oh boy. So the whole team returns to New York, and they find themselves in the on the court where they're going to play the Rucker Classic in Rucker Park. Well, uh, they return to New York, and that's when Dax finds out that Jess has left him for Mookie. That's uh, step 10, apotheosis. They're in the arena, and Uncle Drew puts his bag down on the ground, and he starts pulling out gifts for everybody else on the team. Oh, what what kind of gifts does he pull out, Matt? Is it miracles? <laughs> he has a pair of goggles. He gives that pair of goggles to lights. He hath made the blind to see. Lights can see. Lights is making threes. He has a pair of shoes. They're Boots' shoes that he wore to play every game back in the day. Boots put on those sh- puts on those shoes, and he jumps the fuck out of his wheelchair. He hath made this man walk. For Preacher? He's got a crucifix. Crucifix necklace. Gives Preacher I, all of his confidence back. It, it, it is because he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. If I needed to point out the symbolism, I don't think I do. It's a weirdly symbolism-heavy movie. Then, he pulls out the little guy from the top of a championship trophy. He hands that over to Big Fella. Big Fella throws it on the ground and stomps on it. Yeah, it is the capper for the trophy that they won when they were 15 years old at a two-on-two basketball tournament. Big Fella says, that's not an apology. Uh, since, Since he returned the gift of sight and... I guess, basketball, uh, and the power of Jesus to his teammates. We're going to call that Step 11, the ultimate boon. That precipitates Uncle Drew and Big Fella going to the cemetery. Well, first they play their first game. They play their first game. I'm getting ahead of myself. They play their first game in the Rucker Classic Tournament. And Big Fella refuses to play. Because he's so mad at Uncle Drew. So basically, Uncle Drew scores every point in that first game. Right. By himself. By himself. Because because uh, Big Fella is, like, f- will physically block him. Yeah, he's – by the end of the game, Big Fella blocks one of his shots. Yeah. And the team still manages to win. But clearly there's a problem with Big Fella. So Big Fella and Uncle Drew – go to the cemetery, and they talk their stuff out about Big Fella's wife, who Uncle Drew callously slept with the night of the Rucker Classic Finals many, many years ago. Yeah, and and here's, like, the reason the fight gets so physical in the court is because Uncle Drew's like, I bet you don't even remember her name. And Big Fella's like, I married her. And then they go to the cemetery, and... Uncle Drew's like, I can't believe you married her after what happened. And Big Phil looks at him and goes, I loved her. Which is like such a more complex and layered <laughs> like backstory for these characters that that it was like there was forgiveness from Big Fella to his wife because he loved her, but the betrayal of Uncle Drew was too much that it severed their friendship forever. And so you kind of get the 
the idea that like it is a purposeful thing like uncle drew's seduction of this woman was a purposeful act uh from ego or from like not wanting his friend to have something that he did not have because he later will talk about how he has no real friends like the 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 group that he's with is the first time he's seen them in years like since the 70s and he's like yeah i live in my van and i just you know bounce from town to town hustling street ball is kind of what we get the idea that uncle drew does for a living so he i feel like there is a deep and layered personal conflict within uncle drew that we honestly only get the tip of but it is it's beautiful it's like a beautiful moment between Kyrie Irving and Shaquille O'Neal. And and you know, Shaquille O'Neal uh, he stepped it up. He stepped it up with the acting. In the gag reel at the end of the movie, he jokingly says, uh, "I've come a long way since Kazam." Yeah. But he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Uh by the way, um step 13, the magic flight, that doesn't really happen. Uh, like there, the magic flight involves the hero sort of um, having to escape from a, an enemy with the ultimate boon. I guess you could consider this to fill that uh, part of of the journey because it is uh, a reconnection that needs to be made in order to cement the team. Yeah, and I think you could say Big Fella refusing to play in the first game is the refusal of the return. Uh, yes. I, I think Big Fella's refusal, Big, Big Fella has the refusal of the return. We also have a refusal of the return from Dax, because it's around this time where uh, Big Fella's late showing up to the game, because we're not sure if he's actually going to play, and Uncle Drew just says, oh, well, well, you can play. And once again, Dax reiterates, I do not play basketball. I I will not play. So... It's after the second game, or it's after the first game, that uh, and and we see Big Fella and Uncle Drew make up, that they all go out to a dance club, and the guys at the dance club are making fun of Team Drew, uh, because they're old men, and we get the dance off, and it's great. There's yeah, it's also very, very fun. There's also a moment where it seems like Dance is go- Dax dance. It seems like Dax is going to kiss Maya, but he chickens out. Again, another another refusal. And Uncle Drew's like, "What are you doing, young blood?" Dax is like, "Man, I don't know. Don't, don't give me a hard time." And that's when Uncle Drew tells him, "You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take." Yeah. Which, as we all know. It's a quote from Wayne Gretzky from Michael Scott. There's also somewhere in here, I don't remember if this is the after the second game or before the second game, but the team easily wins the second game. Somewhere no, in here, though... Is it the second game that they, that they win? I thought they the win, second... Okay. They win the second game easily. Okay. But somewhere in here, Uncle Drew finds out that Dax is... In the tournament to win the hundred thousand uh, dollars, he did not previously know the money was a factor, right? And so he gives Dax a talking to that says, 
this shouldn't be about money. This should be about the love of this game. And Dax tries to prove to him, I do love the game. I saw Jordan score 63 points against the Celtics. I watched, you know, the NCAA finals. I saw Leitner do the the fadeaway jump shot for when Duke won the NCAA tournament. He gives him all these examples. And eventually Dax is so moved that he changes the name of his team from Harlem Money to the Harlem Buckets. Yeah, which is the the, the Buckets was the original name of the team. So may, that could be the magic flight, maybe? Maybe, but we definitely get Rescue from Without. Because we definitely during, get Rescue from Without. During the third game, Shaq has a heart attack. Big fella goes down. And this is where we were like, okay, well, obviously this is where uh, Dax has to step up. Because, look, we all know Dax is playing in the last game. But that is not what happens. No. Instead, at the hospital, who else but Betty Lou shows up and she lets Preacher know that she forgives him. She knew he was going to play. And she reveals that she's wearing her sneakers. She's got her Nikes on. She's uh, got her basketball shoes on. Step 14, rescue from without. So, Betty Lou takes over Big Fella's place on the team to play in the finals. And uh, let me tell you, she makes her presence known in that final game. She is explicitly shown to be the one putting... Uh, points. She's making shots. Yeah, she crushes it. So then the final game's going. It's a close one. It's a tough, tight game against Nick Kroll's team, which also has Casper on it. Which the name of their team is the Home Court Advantage, which I think is very funny. It's very good. In the final minute, Casper... And Lights go up, or Lights goes up for a shot. Casper goes up to block it. They both collide into each other. Casper ends up going into the post underneath the basket. And Buckets goes down, or I'm sorry, uh, Lights goes down with a knee injury. Mm -hmm. So Casper and Lights are both out of the game. Yeah, both teams are down a player. Uh, so it's time for step 15, the crossing of the return threshold. Dax has got to come in. Dax has got to come in. And his personal rival and the coach of the other team, Mookie, has to come in. Mookie comes in, immediately makes a shot. His team goes up by two. Dax inbounds the ball. He's on the court. He's open to take a shot. But instead of taking a shot, he calls timeout. And during the timeout, he tells the team, he's like, Drew, all right, this is all you. You got to take the shot here, blah, blah, blah. And Drew and all the rest of the team say, no, Dax, you're taking the shot. And it's like, obviously this happens, but it's done in such a way that I think there's genuinely really good emotional content right here. Like, like when... Uh, Dax, Dax's last bit of resistance before he gets back in the game, he's like, I haven't played in decades. And Uncle Drew 
gestures to his team and goes, and they have. And then there's a part where he, he asks Uncle Drew, what if I miss? And the rest of the team, in unison, but quietly, they all say, what if you don't? And, and I know it sounds like we're goofing on this movie, but I swear to God, it's actually really good. Yeah, there's also a great thing where uh, Dax is like, I don't think I'm good. Oh yeah, this was my favorite line in the whole movie. And uh and Uncle Drew do you remember the exact line? Because it's something to the effect of He says he says, We don't need you to be great all the time. We just need you to be great this once. In this moment. Which which I think that's what you need to get tattooed, Matt. I was I, I thought about maybe getting the actual like championship tattoo <laughs> that Nick Kroll has. <laughs> Oh, but, yeah, we didn't really mention that. He's got uh, tattoos for every year that he's won, which is like... It's seven. Like 15, is it seven? Yeah, it's seven. Seven different tournaments. But he's got, yeah, he's got a tattoo on each arm, and then he's got tattoos all on his stomach of when he's won. So Dax goes back in, he's going to take the shot. He manages to juke out Mookie. Mookie goes down. Dax makes the shot. At the buzzer. Sings it for three. And he becomes the master of two worlds. Step he 16. He becomes the master of two worlds. Uh, specifically, uh, he achieves a balance between the material and the spiritual. He has won the $100,000. He has also uh, uh, like balanced out his love of basketball and returned to this thing that he loved but was afraid of. And He's- then... He's the master of two worlds also in that by becoming a basketball champion, he has gained a family. Yeah, that's that's uh, step 16 and 17. Step 17 is freedom to live. And freedom to live specifically means that you are free from the fear of death. But Dax is not afraid of death. Dax is afraid of being alone. His relationship with Tiffany Haddish's character is shown to be terrible. Like was from a, Jump Street. It was a toxic relationship. But he he's with her because the alternative is being alone. And we know that this is his fear. It's, it's shockingly well put together. But now he has gained the love of Maya. And he has managed to overcome his ill feelings about himself being short. He just steps up on a step, man. Yeah, he just steps up on a step. He and Maya, they engage in a beautiful kiss. He becomes the master of basketball. He becomes the master of love. And there's a specific line. What is it that he says? It's like, uh, like somebody's like, "Hey, you need to go. You need to go celebrate with your team." And he goes, "They're not my team. They're my, They're family. my family." And then he goes. We see him in the hospital. And uh, around Sha- – we also see Shaq's entire ass, by the way, <laughs> yeah. around this point and, uh, in the movie. We see a – Okay, Shaq has to leave his hospital room because the TV's not working, and he wants to watch the game. So he rolls with his IV all the way to, like, a waiting room to watch the game. And there's a shot of him from behind where you see that his gown is open in the back and his ass is hanging out. Yeah, it is at that point in the film that I had forgotten that we got that classic HBO thing at the front that said this movie had brief nudity. (laughs) And it took me right back to when I was 13, and I would like see brief nudity at the start of a movie. 
And I'd be like, heck yeah. And then it would always be like just a dude's butt. I thought, I was like, I wonder if Shaq got a body double for this. But nobody could be Shaq's body double. Yeah, who's going to be Shaq's body double? There's no way that wasn't Shaq's, Shaquille O'Neal's whole ass. So yes, uh, Dax goes back to the hospital to visit with Big Fella. And everybody's there. And he says that he's paid Big Fella's hospital bill. Because that's what you do for family. That's what you do for family. Also, we get a post credit sequence where Tiffany Haddish is trying to call Dax to get him back. But everything's just going to voicemail. And a pretty great uh, blooper reel behind the scenes slash cut content sequence during yeah, the Yeah, it definitely seems like this is one of those movies where they did the scripted scene and then they improv it. Or like yeah. they had – there's a part where – um at the beginning when Dax comes in with the bright orange jerseys that he got for the team and Nick Kroll is like, Oh, don't you want to be coached by a guy who looks like an Eminem? And so it looks like, like they probably just told him to riff for like five or six lines. I would and so bet, we get a couple of those in there. I, I would bet Nick Kroll was more encouraged to improvise than say, uh, Nate Robinson was <laughs> or Reggie. I don't Miller. know. You say that, you say that, but then there's that scene where, uh, it's just Dax and uncle drew, in the van driving and we get a completely different version that is very clearly improv from that's, Laura Howery and Kyrie Irving. That's true. Although the, the gag of that part of the gag reel is that Kyrie Irving is forgetting to drive. Yeah. He forgets to drive the click. Like <laughs> an AD or a grip or somebody has to like come in and remind him that he should have his hands on the wheel of this car. He's supposed to be driving. It's very funny. <laughs> So yeah, full-on hero's journey. Chris, this movie has a lot of high points. Are there any specific ones that we want to point out? There are a lot of like really funny gags. Uh, I think the, the ham sandwich bit I laughed pretty hard at at the beginning. Yeah. The other early bit that I really laughed hard at was when Dax is talking to his team and he's talking about how important Casper is. And he's like, you're, you know, you're the guy that I want to have the ball all the time. Not Dante, white Dante, regular Jeff. (laughs) Just the phrase regular Jeff hit me so hard. There's also a great line line in there where he tells another guy to close his ears and the guy does it. And then Dax is like, (laughs) he's terrible. (laughs) That's a grown man. I told him to plug his ears off and he did it. (laughs) Like that whole opening sequence is very... Very funny. Um, also, I I know that like sports stars are kind of used to having a low bar for acting, but uh, like everybody does a pretty decent job. Like Kyrie Irving is like he's he's clearly doing a character. Yeah, you know, because because he's Uncle Drew, but he's good. And Chris Webber, I thought, was was fun. Richie Miller is really good, actually. Chris Webber is doing some incredible, like, body language stuff. Yeah, he does a lot of really good physical bits. He does physical bits. He also, like, I'd say of everybody, he's the best at looking old in the way that he moves and walks. Mm -hmm. 
because because Shaq's just being Shaq. Let's be real. But like Chris Webber is kind of transforming into preacher because he's kind of hunched over. There's one part where you were asking if Shaq is just that much taller than other basketball players. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, he is a good bit taller than Kyrie Irving is, but Chris Webber is like 6'10". And it's just because Chris Webber was mega hunched over to play this old man. Yeah. I think the, the, one who's got it easiest, I think, obviously, is Nate Robinson because he has one line of dialogue in the entire movie. He well, he talks more after that line of dialogue, but Does he's he? got the least. He's got the least dialogue of anybody. Yeah, yeah. He, but at the same time, he kind of has to do a pretty like he he kind of does like a a convincing old dude, and then it it makes for a nice transition when he actually gets at it like his shoes and starts dunking on everybody. It's also amazing when they're in the club and the young guys are making fun of the old guys. And one of the young guys calls boots, Frederick Douglass. Yes. Uh, that and then he, made, and he goes, me, I heard you're doing great things. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh hard. Yeah. A lot of really good bits. Also, I really do appreciate that this movie when Betty Lou was added to the team, uh, is like she's she's the all star of the team. Like she's yeah. really good. And and you pointed out how good Lisa Leslie is in this. She's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, she's really good. Also, the I mean, all of the basketball scenes. And again, this is the lowest bar this movie has to clear. But all the basketball scenes were good enough where I was like, Hey, do you think they like it, this is a work, or do you think they just had? All these in famous NBA players go out there and play basketball with some guys. I'd be willing to believe either one, to be quite yeah. honest. Because I think there's a couple things that are like, you know, clearly like faked shots, right? Like, like sure. no matter what happened at the end, Dax, is, Dax was going to sink that, that three-pointer. But a lot of it is just like, it's just footage of these people playing basketball, which they are really good at. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine that they were just told, hey, go out there and play. Yeah. And they just used the shots they needed. Go out there and play and be your character. And, like, talk some trash, you know? Yeah. Unless they needed specific lines in there. I, I can imagine that they just went out there and played. Yeah. It's 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 very fun. Yeah, okay, so we talked about... Bits we liked. We talked about performances that were good. Oh, the music. The music in this movie is great. Yeah. Because, especially during the games, it's just like hip-hop-infused drumline stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's super good. Yeah, the, also, the actual the score during the games is quite good. The score is good, and all the soundtrack music is good. Because a lot of the soundtrack music is just like stuff Uncle Drew is playing in his van. So it's like Fantastic Voyage. <laughs> and that shit's dope. Yeah. Uh, also some great gags. There's a great gag about Chris Webber not knowing how many timeouts they had at the end of the game. I did not get that, but Matt explained it to me. Thank There's you, a Matt. great gag right at the beginning about Jerry West being the NBA logo. That that was very funny. Turns out the NBA logo is actually Uncle Drew. Yeah. He says that was Uncle Drew. They just shaved his afro off. 
There's some good Dikembe Mutombo right at the beginning. Um, there's even like good segments where Dax is on Sports Center. Like he's part of Sports Center's bad top ten near the beginning of the movie, where he's trying to get the shoes he had to pay for back. And then he's in Sports Center's good top ten at the end of the movie. Yeah. Chris, do we have any low points? There's the one I have joke one. from one, Tiffany Haddish. One bad joke. Yeah, but at the like, what it is is uh, when Betty Lou is playing, uh, Tiffany Haddish in the crowd go, you know, yells like, "Oh, you know, she's a, really a man or something," which is rough. But also, she's supposed to be like an irredeemably horrible character. So, I mean, like, I would rather not have it. But yeah, I'd rather not have it. It's it's not actually played for laughs, I don't think, more than it's played for like, oh yeah, Jess is bad. Jess is bad. And honestly, if she was really a man, it wouldn't matter. Everybody else playing is a man. Like, that's not even a valid complaint. Yeah. So, that's, that's the one bad gag of the movie. Like, the one really bad gag. Aside from that... It's basically perfect? Yeah, I, I will say, a lot of the movie is rote, but it's rote in the way that it's not doing anything wrong. It's just doing exactly what you expect, right? And then it's frequently really funny or really good or surprisingly thoughtful. And, and those are the times when it shines. But, you know, there there are there aren't low points so much as there's medium points which is fine yeah I mean there's some stretches where the movie isn't as funny but it's got to move the plot along yeah and and look this is a movie based on a character from a Pepsi commercial is that where it started because I yeah. thought the Pepsi commercials were a movie tie-in no no, no. the Pepsi commercials came first wow that's amazing Oh, I guess I guess we can use low points to talk about the product placement because there is quite a bit, except that it's all where it should be. Yeah, none of it is jarring. It's exactly where you would see ads on a court during a basketball game. Yeah, or everybody wears Nikes. One, everyone wears Nikes. When Shaq turns on the TV, he flips by an Enterprise ad. None of it is like wildly out of place. So even that stuff, like when they're at the gas station, there's, uh, you know, uh, Pepsi in the background. But, okay. You can see that at a gas station. Also, I I should have said this in high points. There's a great moment where uh, Dax is watching. You know how they've got the little TVs on the gas pumps? Yeah. Uh, He's watching a thing on on a TV on a gas pump that's an interview with uh, Nick Kroll. And that's where we see Scoop, by the way. Oh, yeah. This this made me laugh so hard I almost cried. Now, well, I, I, you might be talking about the line. I'm talking about the fact that it's called Gas and Sports. Yes, that was very good. Yeah. Uh, the There's a bit at the end where uh, Mookie... The interview's wrapping up, and Mookie goes, shout out to Pepsi, shout out to Alberto Beef Jerky, shout out to Aleve, the number one painkiller in the game. <laughs> and shout out to Aleve, the number one painkiller in the game, got me so hard. 
and I, that ties into the product placement because those are all the sponsors of the movie. It's interesting that we're using low points to talk about stuff we liked. I think that says a lot about the film. Chris, what are our final thoughts about Uncle Drew? There was a point in this movie where our call dropped out. And we didn't notice, or I didn't notice for like 10 minutes. Because we were just watching the movie. Yeah. And like occasionally I would say something like, oh, that was really good. And then I realized, I realized that you weren't on the call because uh, Dax stood up in the church and said, he's going to dunk a baby. And you didn't laugh. I didn't hear you <laughs> laugh at that. And I knew you weren't on the call. <laughs> yeah, because I did laugh at that. Yeah. Uh, which, again, like, it's always it's always the, like, the reason we don't do these live is that sometimes we're going to get so distracted by the movie being good for a minute that we will stop talking. Here's what I have to say, Chris, about this movie. This movie was made on a budget of $18 million. It, you know, for a Hollywood film, pennies. It made $46.5 million at the box office. That's a hit. Two and a half times its budget. Why? Is there not a section on the Uncle Drew Wikipedia page about plans for a sequel? Uncle Uncle 2? Uncle 2. I do not know, Matt. Uh, but I think it's, what What else does this movie have to say? There's no second hero's journey. What stories are left to tell? Yeah, it is the monomyth. I'll tell you the story that Uncle Drew has to tell in Uncle Drew 2. To Drew. Drew 2. Drew fast, Drew furious. The Buckets never played their final game in the first tournament 40 Matt, years ago. Matt, are you saying we need a team of good old people playing basketball and evil old people playing basketball? Yeah. Ooh, the team from good. the team from the finals from what 1975 or whatever they come back and they challenge the buckets who to a game. Is, who's going to be on the evil team? It's got to be the greatest villains in basketball. So it's like Bill Lambier, obviously <laughs> number one. <laughs> Christian Leitner. Christian Leitner, number two. I'll have to think about the rest. Yeah, but th those one and two. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think of like more recent players who would fall into that category. LeBron has has repaired his image enough that he can't he wouldn't be the bad guy anymore. Yeah, he built a school for underprivileged children. Yeah, also he's in Space Jam too, so he probably can't yeah. do it. But I'm sure there's plenty of others uh that you could that you could put into the mix. And have be the rival team of old men that the Buckets have to play. It's the evil basketball players. <laughs> the uh, most hateful literally just Bill Lambeer's Wikipedia page. Yeah. Uh, I, I know there's got to be somebody. 
Yeah, that's. Are we gonna are we gonna write Uncle Drew too as a spec script? Matt? If Pepsi Productions wants to call me, I mean, well, we can write it as a spec. That's fine. Oh, Blake Griffin's got to be one of them. Mm. Maybe Russell Westbrook, Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony. Is he bad? Is he evil? The, all of these are de- depending on your perspective, right? Um, Kevin Durant is mentioned in this movie as a actual basketball player that exists, but you could get Kevin Durant. It is very weird. Like, I think this movie is supposed to take place in our world. So like Shaquille O'Neal also exists and was in the movie Steel and Kazam. Uh huh. But nobody is ever like, big fella looks a lot like Shaq. Nobody ever mentions that he looks a lot like Shaq. Yeah. He looks like Shaq in a very bad wig. (laughs) Uh they are never asking him to rap all the verses of my biological didn't bother. All right. So I think that's it for uncle drew. I, an almost unqualified recommendation. For yeah. Uncle Drew. If you didn't watch this movie along with us, watch it right now. Yeah. It's really fun. All right, everybody. That's that's it for our February movie fighters. Our one beautiful moment of joy until we go back into the garbage. <laughs> uh, we'll be back in March with another film. Maybe we'll do like a series of basketball movies. Ooh, ooh, we could. Like I mean, March, Matt, March, Matt, I, March Madness. Yeah, yeah. Matt, I I do have a basketball rule book here. Okay. Do you know what it doesn't say in here? Uh, that you can't have a, a dog? Yeah, there's nothing in here that says you can't have a dog play basketball. Oh, man. Are we going to airbutt it? We, I think we need to either airbutt it or airbuddies it. Let us know, listeners, wh- what sort of airbud or non-airbud basketball movie you want us to watch in March. Until then... Thanks for listening. We hope you love Uncle Drew as much as we do. Chris, any any parting words for our listeners before we get out of here? Uh, no, just literally, this should be shown in a college class for being a step-by-step recreation of the hero's journey. If I was in college, if I had not dropped out of college to spend more time with Batman like I did, uh, I would have written a paper. On Uncle Drew as the hero's journey. Also, I would have to be like 15 years, 16 years younger than I am. But, you know. Our website was designed by Sean Boggess. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. The Snack Situation theme is by Matt Fisher. You can find me at mattdwilson.net. All of Chris's stuff is at the-isb.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We love you. We love you. We're a family. We are a family. Production. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. 
Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new ciabatta collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants.